eight days. What started before creation and was whispered throughout every day that followed. Thousands of years of prophecy and centuries of silence all led to the birth of a king. For 33 years he walked and talked and prayed and healed and showed us a perfect life of love, willingly stepping into the greatest sacrifice of all to bring us into a defining moment that would forever restore humanity. Eight days. The first day of Holy Week, Jesus enters into Jerusalem. He's heralded as a hero and a king. The sounds of that welcome parade are still ringing in the ears of Jesus. People lined the streets and said, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father, David. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna means God save us. That's what they were saying. God save us. And I wonder if Jesus took a breath after the parade and whispered to himself, I am. I'm here to save you. I am the beginning and the end. I am the first and the last. Yes to your request. I will save you. And the Bible says he takes a walk. Heads up the steps of the temple in Jerusalem. And the Gospel of Mark shares an interesting detail. We see here Jesus taking a moment to pause. Mark 11, 11 says, when Jesus entered the Jerusalem and went to the temple, he looked around at everything. Now remember, this is the night before what's going to happen. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany and with the 12. Jesus looked around at everything. He, he took stock. He's standing in the court of the Gentiles, an outer portion of the temple, and this is what he sees, tables and bird cages. It's also about what he doesn't see. He doesn't see prayer shawls and people. I'll come back to that in just a second. In our last series, the Apostle Paul told us about what was going to happen to humanity in the closing days of time. And he listed off some 18 characteristics that would define people as we drew towards the end of time. And then Paul called the followers of Jesus, us, to live in the opposite spirit and in this moment, Jesus is modeling one of the most important ones. Paul says in the last days, this is how people are going to act. They're going to become more rash, more brutal, more impulsive, and more unrestrained. The opposite word that we used, what God has called us into, was the word measured. In this moment, Jesus is measuring his heart and his mind. He's regulating his emotions so that when Monday arrives... He's ready. Make no mistake. On Holy Monday, Jesus is going to get righteously angry. But as the Bible tells us, he's not going to allow his anger to cross the line into sin. And where does that start? He pauses. He takes a moment. He pauses. I have to ask myself the question, do I do that? <laughs> the answer most often is no. No. Do I pause for a moment and breathe and think and acknowledge the presence of God in those moments before I just unleash my emotions in my anger? I mean, do, do, I, do I really stop and contemplate the weight of my words and my actions before I move ahead? Or, or, or am I like so many others and just let my unchecked responses loose in a world where unrestrained anger is absolutely normal? 
So we're going to do what Jesus did. We're just going to stop for a minute. We're going to pause. We're going to take a moment and pray. Church, can, can you, could you just take a deep breath? I know you lost an hour of sleep. You're very tired. I get it. But could we just take a moment and pause? I'd love to pray. God, help us to pause. We don't want to do damage. Help us to model our lives and responses after your example. God, help us to know the difference between a human reaction and a godly response. Jesus, right now in this moment, would you restore a sacred pause in our souls? Amen. Let's see what happens the next morning. Matthew chapter 21, verse 12 says, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Jesus is flipping tables, literally. Jesus is angry. This is righteous anger on display. John 3 gives us a detail that Matthew and Mark do not. John tells us that Jesus actually went out and made a whip out of leather and used it to clean house. Literally. Let's stop here. Okay, let's just pause. We are made in God's image and God is a God of emotions. There is a place for righteous anger, but I want to point out a few wisdom perspectives before we move on so we don't come to the wrong conclusion. Because some people look at this story and this is what they deduce. Jesus got angry, so I'm going to start flipping some tables. It's my spiritual gift. If I see something I don't like, we're going to start reorganizing furniture. That's how this is going to go. I'm going to let loose because I'm following the example of Jesus. Hallelujah. Time out. Let me describe the truth about this moment of anger. And make no mistake, it was a moment of anger. The righteous anger of Jesus was regulated. It was not regular. Jesus was not defined by his anger. Anger was the exception, not the rule. This is so important. We've got to learn this. This, this table-flipping Jesus also consistently preached a message of love and hope. Jesus said we were supposed to love our enemies. Pray for those who persecute us. In the, in the Sermon on the Mount, he praised and blessed the peacemakers. He said the poor in spirit, the merciful and the meek were blessed. The Apostle Paul boiled down the result of living in connection with the Holy Spirit with these words. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. And what's the last one? Self-control. And then he followed it up with another command. He goes, don't provoke each other. Is this a little hard to reconcile for you? It's hard to reconcile for me. Jesus making a whip and tossing tables is a powerful moment because Jesus preached peacemaking, not fight picking. He preached gentleness and cheek turning, not violence and cheek smacking. So how do we put these two stories together? Well, we've got to start here. If Jesus was getting this angry, there must have been a grave offense happening. And there was. This was not a regular occurrence in the life of Jesus. 
This was a justifiably angry moment where Jesus got the attention of everyone because of how rare this response was. There are moments when this response is absolutely appropriate. Here's the issue. For a lot of people, table flipping is all you do. You just get angry. Your fuse is short and ranting and exploding and every issue in your life turns into a table to be flipped. That's your normal experience. And you wonder why when you walk into a room, everybody blinks and ducks. You're being defined by your anger and the uncontrolled words and actions that are coming out of you are actually doing damage. Have you noticed how confrontation and explosive anger have become so normalized in our culture? I mean, there used to be kind of this uncomfortability that went along with these online exchanges that go sideways, but now you sense that somebody's going to get into it and you're just like, oh, this is going to be really good. Here they go. They're ready. They're lining up on their keyboards. This is going to be good. I'm going to say it again. This is a realistic, legitimate moment of anger, but I'm going to say it again. The righteous anger of Jesus was regulated, not regular. Jesus was not defined by his anger. And his anger in this moment was the exception, not the rule. So here's the question. Why is Jesus so angry? <laughs> like what injustice made him fashion a whip and drive out people that were selling lovebirds? Like what is up with that? Well, Mark 11 tells us the same story with different details. It says, on reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple courts, began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves and would not allow anyone to carry merchandise through the temple courts. And as he taught them, he said, is it not written? My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you've made it into a den of robbers. Let me give you three reasons why Jesus was righteously angry. Number one, the money changers were turning what was supposed to be God's house of prayer into a marketplace. We need to understand this. The fact that there were merchants and money changers there, that wasn't the problem. In fact, they were necessary. People were coming to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. A part of the Passover feast was to bring an animal for sacrifice. I know some of you don't like that. You should be so thankful then you live under the new covenant and you don't need to do animal sacrifice anymore. Okay? But I want you to imagine this. You live months walking away from Jerusalem. You need to bring uh, a sheep along with you in order to sacrifice it on behalf of your family. And you get all the way there and just before it's time for the sacrifice to happen, a wolf comes in, steals your sheep. And you're like, now what am I going to do? I got to go all the way home again. Because you weren't allowed to bring an unblemished or a blemished animal as part of that sacrifice. People from all over the world were gathering and they actually took allowance for that and were making sure that there were animals available for sacrifice for purchase. So here's what would happen. People would come to the temple court. They would have to exchange their foreign currency for local currency. We do that, right? You travel to another country, you often exchange currency. They had to pay a temple tax and then they had to purchase animals for sacrifice. Here was the problem. The people who were selling the animals were price gouging everybody. They were jacking up the prices 
there was an egg shortage happening in Jerusalem and the chicken farmers were making out like bandits. And Jesus was angry because what should have been about worship had become an opportunity for greed. Second reason, the market cut off the Gentiles from their place of worshiping the God of Israel. So this outer court was a special place for non-Jewish people to worship and pray. And instead of it being a place of peace, it had become a place that was crowded with commerce and commotion. And that made God angry. This was supposed to be an open door for people to come and worship. And instead, it had been congested with money and greed. Let's stop here for a second. In this particular picture, doors have been closed. Where have we closed doors that should have been open, but we've allowed them to be closed by fear, anger, and personal preference? I have a question for you, church. Who are we keeping out that we should be inviting in? And as the people of God, as we approach Easter, are we going to take the normal course of not inviting anybody or are we going to take the godly course of making sure that everyone we know and love is welcomed into an opportunity to meet the Jesus that we know? Where have we crowded out the presence of God because our lives are just so full of commerce and commotion? Where are we so consumed with the commotion of our social calendars that we don't have any room left for God anymore? Where have we crowded God out of our schedules so he might get 10 minutes in the morning and a prayer before every single meal and an hour on Sunday as opposed to those day-by-day daily commitments that we make to connect with Jesus because we know we can't go a day without him. Here's another reason Jesus was angry. Number three, the temple had become a shortcut for travel. Not a place of worship, reverence, and respect for the Lord. So here's a little known piece of the story. The temple, which is in the center of Jerusalem, had literally become a shortcut for people trying to get across the city. So instead of a place to stop and worship and reflect and put their focus on God. Instead, the temple had become this quick stop as people were just transiting back and forth across the city. That's why Jesus said that that he wanted to stop people from literally just trucking merchandise back and forth across the temple. All right. This is where this is going to get really personal. Is worship and church And God's people, a reflection of your true focus on God, or is it just a quick stop because you can't fit anything else into your busy schedule? I wonder, have we substituted an hour on Sunday morning for what should be a lifestyle of worshiping and loving Jesus. What's the excuse? We all have the same excuse, right? I'm just so busy. I'm just so busy, Grant. I got a lot going on. You've heard me say it before. I'm going to say it again. If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. And right now, I'm experiencing the conviction of God in my own life and heart. 
I can get really, really busy. So I've got to ask a question. What tables need to be flipped over in my own life? <laughs> what do I need to, 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 to welcome Jesus into so it can be put back into right order because the truth is I, I've mismanaged my priorities? In one sense, on this Holy Monday, when Jesus is flipping tables, he's reclaiming sacred space. So here's a question for those of us who struggle with anger. Does your anger reclaim sacred space or does it just cause mayhem in your heart and in your mind? Do you need to intentionally take back some sacred space as we head towards Easter? and intentionally carve out time where you can worship and pray and reflect and connect and hear the voice of God. So I've preached this section of scripture before. In my 23 plus years here of, of preaching and teaching of Christ the King, I, I have read this pretty much every Easter as we have walked through this at a different point. And I have no idea, but, but as soon as Jesus is done flipping the tables and everything is just kind of going crazy, that's where I've always stopped in the story. And I pulled out some, some of the principles that we've talked about today. Jesus is flipping tables. There's a right place for anger. In your anger, do not sin. Pause before you flip out. Check yourself. Reclaim sacred space. I, I've stopped here time after time after time. But as I read this scripture again this year, I don't know why, but I just kept on going. And what came next took my breath away, even though there's not even a breath in the story. So I want you to get this picture. The tables haven't even come to rest on the ground. They're still rocking back and forth. The birds haven't landed again after they've been released out of their cages because Jesus flipped the table that they were sitting on. The people haven't even stopped running from the rabbi with the whip. And what happens next is a moment of healing. Here's the very next verse. Matthew 21, 14. The blind and lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. It's like, what just happened? Jesus just cleaned house. People are in chaos and suddenly a group of people that need Jesus really, really desperately think this is the perfect time to ask him for help. The people on the margins of society who would never come close to getting a, a word in with the religious people that were actually doing these transactions in the temple. No, these people, they limp over to Jesus in the midst of this shocked chaos and Jesus heals them. Do you get this picture? Your Savior has a whip of justice in one hand and healing in the other. I'm going to set the world straight with my justice and I'm going to set your needs straight with my mercy and compassion. Do you see how beautiful it is that he can hold those two things in tension? Jesus wasn't too heated to miss the people who mattered to him the most or to even appear unsafe. If he had come across as being completely irrational and unsafe, they never would have approached him, but they do. 
This is astounding to me. The blind and lame notice the situation, see something in Jesus and decide of all of the moments, I should probably go up to Jesus and ask him if he could heal me. While he's got a whip in one hand and healing in the other. You know, maybe they just knew in their hearts what was actually happening. As Jesus was flipping tables, he was actually flipping their world upside down. Jesus, in this moment, was saying, I'm here to change the hearts of the greedy and to meet the needs of the needy. Isn't that amazing? The kingdom of God was there for everyone who had a spiritual need. It was just delivered and presented in a very different way to two different groups of people. The temple, the very symbol of God's presence was eventually going to come down, but the fullness of God's presence was standing right in front of them. And he had a whip in one hand and healing in the other. Can we just live in the tension of this? You have no idea. I, I, I like to resolve people's tension. I, I want to tie this story up so beautifully for everybody and, and, and give you, you know, three points to make your Sunday afternoon happy. But can we just stay in the tension of this moment? Jesus is still there. He broke a sweat flipping tables because he wanted the money changers to know, you missed it, guys. And at the same time, he's reaching to people who can't see who can't walk and he's saying you came to me in the midst of it you didn't miss it Jesus loves both of them and he's calling both of them the busy and the broken to himself because he can heal both of them I don't know how you're sitting here today but I have some questions for you to reflect on Maybe you struggle with anger. Are you defined by your anger? Is it out of control or is it under God's control? Today, you can give it to Jesus and ask him to regulate what you're feeling inside of yourself. Have you allowed commotion or commerce to rule your life? I believe today you could bring both of those to him, your commotion and your commerce, and say, Jesus, I, uh, I haven't had the right priorities and I need you to, to come back into the center of my life. You, you need to be back on the throne. I, I'm sorry I crowded you off of it with my schedule and my desire to have more. Be my king again. You need to reclaim sacred space in your mind and heart. What I mean by that is you just change your focus from the commotion of living moment to moment into those calm, deeply connected moments with God when he is all you need. You can bring that to him today and say, Jesus, be my focus. Be my focus as we head towards the beautiful moment of celebrating your resurrection. God, I want to intentionally choose 
peaceful space for your honor and your glory. I'm not giving you my leftovers anymore. You get the best part of me. And then finally, as your busyness crowded out your love for people who need the same experience with Jesus that you've had. And if so, what are you going to do about it? Are you going to be among the less than 1% of believers who will actually invite someone with them to Easter, knowing that 85% of people said if they were invited to an Easter service, they would come if someone would just invite them? Are we going to be the kind of church that says, come on? I know I'm messy and broken. That's okay. <laughs> so are the rest of us. I know, but I've got some stuff that I should probably get in right order. It's okay. We're like that too. No, you don't understand. If Jesus walked into my life right now, he'd start flipping some tables. <laughs> us too. My prayer for our church is that we will move beyond good intentions and welcome everyone into a sacred space where they can meet a Jesus who will then walk with them in the beautiful presence that God makes available to each of us every moment of every day. I want to make sure we understand this is not sacred space it's just a building I'm looking at sacred space right now you are that embodiment and you follow a Jesus who according to Holy Monday knows how to live in the beautiful place with justice in one hand and healing in the other would you pray with me as we close? God, right now, as we take a moment to pause, Lord, would you speak to our anger? Would you speak to our busyness? Would you speak to those moments when we choose not to pause and we just transit through our life without a second thought God would you allow us to look at the example of Jesus and then be transformed by it God I pray for every brother and sister in this room and who are watching at home right now or wherever they are around the world Lord we pray in the name of Jesus God teach us how to follow your example Lord, we want to be righteously angry in the right moments under the right sets of guidelines. God, help us to do that well, like you did. And at the same time, God, help us to, to step into these moments when, when we see ourselves reflected in this story. God, where we need correction, would you give correction? Where we need healing, would you give healing? We come to you right now, needy, 
and needing a touch from you. So God, may our hearts be open as we, as we continue to walk day after day throughout Holy Week. Lord, teach us how to live life differently. We pray these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen and amen. Would you stand with me right now? And to those of you that are home, if you'd like to change your posture. Often when church is just a quick stop, we get to the end of the hour and we just want to move quickly on with our schedule. Some of you today need to pray with somebody. You need to pray through your anger. You need to pray through your physical need. And we have a group of people that would love nothing more than to do exactly that kind of work. So as we get ready to wrap up today, if you need prayer for anything, you're gonna walk this direction. We'll have members of the after-service prayer team available here for you. And we would love to connect with you in that way. If you're watching at home right now, you can go to prayer.ctk.church. We would love to take your, your prayer request this week and pray for you all week long. May the God of peace who carries in his hands both justice and healing. Minister to the needs of your life and your heart right now. May you be transformed because of the work that he is doing inside of you. And whatever tables need to be flipped, may you volunteer for that process and live in the victory of the transformation that only Jesus can give. God bless you and may you find peace this week. Thank you for coming. You're dismissed.